You are now listening to the Verify Phenoms podcast. In this show, we speak with individuals who have come from all walks of life and have overcome the mental limitations of imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and overthinking. Get your notebook ready and stay tuned to learn how you can win your mental battles and become a verifying phenom as well. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. We're always in the season talking to real people that have gone through real challenges that have real results. And today we have with us Melody Mitchell. She's a career and life coach who left the career in recruiting industry after close to two decades. She worked for a friend only to find herself in massive debt and fractured friendships and woke up to realize that she was pursuing someone else's dream, but not her own. The only problem was that she didn't know what her dreams were. She calls herself the accidental entrepreneur. Now, four years later, her business continues to grow. It was by rebuilding, manifesting confidence and belief in herself that she was able to move forward and create a business that ultimately helps other people navigate their careers and lives. Melanie, good morning to you. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Good morning. Glad to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking out your time to be here with us today. So, like I was telling you, I do have some rapid fire questions just to get us started today. Um, I just want you to say whatever the first thing is that comes to your mind, and we're just going to move forward, all right? Sounds good. All right. What is your favorite carb? Bread, pasta, rice, or pasta, or uh, potatoes? Oh, you know what? I'm going to go with bread. Okay. What's your ideal temperature outside? You know, a, I can go fairly hot, but I think a good 85 is, um, you know, that, that's a good pool, pool day. <laughs> Are you saying that just because that's what it was last week and now it's 40 now? <laughs> no, I actually, <laughs> I prefer it to be, I mean, I would take a good solid, like, mid 70s year round so but i do like i i don't mind the heat so all right all right climb a mountain or jump from a plane uh we're gonna climb a mountain <laughs> all right so i don't know if you heard but they are already planning to have the first space hotel and i believe it's like 2030 or something like that would you be interested in going if it were just if it were free probably not i i don't know how i would do with the travels <laughs> super mario brothers or zelda uh super mario something from your childhood that you still do today oh Ooh, that's a good um you know what i don't know that i i don't really know that i do anything that's from my childhood to be honest with you that's kind of sad but um <laughs> now i gotta now i gotta kind of think about that i was like oh man um i don't know that i do because uh, yeah no there's not much that i probably do when i was a kid that i do today so maybe it'll come back later maybe randomly. something maybe. might pop up that i think about yeah. but yeah no i've got to be small gotta think about that now <laughs> What is the best advice that you received? Um, you know what? I'm going to say what my mom used to always just say. It's just laugh at yourself. 
Um, you know, you don't ever take yourself too seriously. Do you think that could be the answer to the previous question? Do you still laugh at yourself now? Um, I laugh at or myself. Or did you do that when you were a kid? I laugh at myself. Definitely did not do it as a kid. That's why. Ah, that's why man. my mom always. <laughs> but oh, I okay. do do it now. Um, I appreciate the advice more than I did then. Um, yeah, my mom was very just uh, kind of um, definitely not uptight, not, you know, very rigid and things like that. And she could easily laugh at herself. And she got two daughters that were the complete opposite. So, <laughs> so, oh, man. Um, so yeah, so yeah, definitely did not laugh at myself as a kid. So Okay, well. I try to help you out with that. I the previous it. one. It's all good. <laughs> I, I still think it's going to come back to you later on. It's going to come back later. <laughs> there has to be something, or I need to revisit my childhood, the things that I like hey, as a child. <laughs> maybe that could be a great kickoff to 2024. You know, doing something, doing doing little things like that. So, yeah. things, that, things that made me happy as a kid. It will fill your heart, I promise. So... After nearly two decades, you decided to leave the recruiting and the staffing industry. That's a long, that's a good chunk of <laughs> your professional career, no matter, it's just anybody in general, right? Yeah. I believe it was uh, 17 years that you were in yeah. the industry, correct? Before leaving. What made you, well, actually, how did you end up in the recruiting industry? Well, I ended up in the recruiting industry completely by accident. So another theme of my entire career, really. Um, so yeah, my um, my then um, my then husband's family um, knew uh, introduced me to who would become the person that hired me, who would become my first mentor in the recruiting industry. I was moving from Missouri to Maryland. Um, I took the job honestly with the thought of like, oh, if I don't like it. Um, I can just find something else once I'm out there, once I've made the move. Um, I knew nothing about being a recruiter. Nobody grows up saying, oh, I'm going to be a recruiter when I grow up. I mean, you're never going to meet somebody that's going to say that. Um, and yeah, I fell into it and I just happened to be like really good at it. Um, or I, I got really good at it, I suppose. Um, and yes, yeah, just in it, you know, something that went from, kind of being a fluke really stuck with me through that, you know, and I really, I did really enjoy it. It was a, you know, it, it's a hard career. It's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart, but um, I definitely, you know, it was challenging and I definitely enjoyed it. So it, it had, it, it's had its, it definitely had its peaks and it, it definitely had its valleys. So. <laughs> what were you interested in doing since this was accidental? Um, I was actually looking more to get into like the nonprofit area doing uh, fundraising and events, um, you know, things along those lines. I'd been doing a little bit of that with a company or with an organization I'd worked with back home in Missouri. Um, and that's really what I thought. I had my degree in uh, public relations, didn't necessarily think I was going to go in that direction. But um you know, that was really, that was the direction I was headed. I did. I was always that kid just didn't really know what I wanted to be. Um, I changed my mind quite a lot growing up. And so um, even in college, I changed my mind quite a lot. <laughs> so much to um, the dismay of my parents. Um, I don't know if they ever thought um, if I would ever figure that out per, you know, per se, but mm -hmm. um 
yeah. So, you know, it was one of those things that I, you know, it was like, oh, I want to do that. Or then I'd be like, oh, I don't really want to do that anymore. And so, um, yeah, finding, finding my kind of my, my home and, you know, in essence of my career was definitely, it wasn't an easy one for me. That is so relatable. I feel as if so many people can just say, oh yeah, I, I truly had either no idea what I wanted to do or I was always trying to change what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and that that can be very difficult, especially within today's age where there's so much being presented to us and we aren't necessarily sure of which path is meant for us. So, yeah. I oh, was, go ahead. I was just, yeah, I didn't really also have like, you know, people in college or anything like that really helping direct me either you know I was kind of very much like on my own with that with that respect and so like my daughter's in college my she's a junior this year um and so you know like she actually has you know like college professor you know professors that answer questions um you know and like um she's gonna go get her master's in her degree and um, you know, and so she's asking like the smart questions. I don't know if it's just better education <laughs> or what, I don't know, but I, you know, she actually has college counselors that are di- helping direct her. And, um, yeah, so a lot more, a lot more direction in that regard. Um, something I just didn't have, like I, you know, I didn't really, either I didn't utilize it or I just didn't realize, I'm sure that it existed, but it wasn't like openly i don't feel like it was openly known and i don't even know like who i would have gone to (laughs) so well maybe it wasn't available then it's possible yeah i don't you know like i don't really remember that being a big chunk a big piece of it so i felt like i had to navigate a lot of that on my own so as someone that was consistently changing their mind or just being interested in possibly different paths, what was the mindset or thought process for you of knowing or trying to figure out what your final destination was going to be? Yeah, I mean, for me, I started like, um, you know, I was a young mom. So I was 21 when I had my son. And so I finished college after when he was two. Um, And so for me, part of it, you know, I, I did get into the job with a nonprofit and then I sort of just kind of made my way. Like I kind of, I actually, the last position I had with them, I created really on my own. I said, Hey, um, I'll be your assistant to the CEO. If I can also do, um, you know, helping organize all the fundraising and the special events, they didn't have that role. So I really kind of created that. Um, but I learned a lot along the way in terms of things that I did like. And I, and that's something I do when I'm coaching people. I, I often talk about the things that like, what are the things you like to do? Or what are the things that you feel really good about? Um, or And also, what are the things you didn't like to do? I, you know, I got to interact with a lot of different people. I got to talk to a lot of different people. I was always on deadlines. Um I always, you know, had some project that I could always be working on. There wasn't a lot of dead time. And so, um, you know, those are characteristics that still reoccur today. And that's absolutely in recruiting, um, (laughs) all of those things. So working under pressure, being able to do that. Um, I did when I, 
before I had left the nonprofit and went to work for a bank and that was the most dreadful job I think I had. It was just not, um, you know, God bless the ladies in the, in the trust department. Um, I ended up with the, I worked with the attorney that we had all the probate cases. So all these other assistants had, I call it my real job. I call it my grown up job because it paid very well. (laughs) It had good benefits. I was a single mom. I felt like I had to, you know, like take that grown up job. But I got in there and I was just literally like, these women have been in here for like 10, 20 years. And I just couldn't see myself. One, I didn't really like, I felt like I could have been their daughter more than I was like, and I just, and I didn't have any client, my clients were all dead. So I didn't have any clients that I could talk to. They all had clients, they were getting gifts and things. And I literally, I, I, we had probate cases. Oh my goodness. It was just, it was, it was dreadful and I hated it. Um, I just hated it um, because it just wasn't challenging. And so I kind of mm-hmm. knew at least after that, like, okay, this is something, these are things that you have to have. I don't know that I ever put it into like that kind of framework, but I understood it. I understood like at least what you don't like to do or like what the right environment. So um, I did, again, I didn't know anything about recruiting, but once I got into it, um, you know, I have really good listening skills. That's one thing that I, I particularly am very good at. And so was, you know, it really suited, it really suited myself. And I think it shocked a lot of people because I'm not necessarily an, I'm not a natural salesperson. Um, and I didn't necessarily always fit the mold of what of what was expected as kind of a, you know, a hard hitting sales where, you know, cause recruiting really is sales in many ways. And so there's a lot of things that I didn't fit the typical mold of what um, the typical hire, I should say. So. So in terms of, let's just say in the theme of imposter syndrome, right? Somebody that may be stepping into a new role and knows that it takes a certain personality or a certain skill set to be able to excel in that role. In your case, stepping into the recruiter role, you were just saying how it is more sales. It is sales, but it's person to person sale. You're not necessarily selling a product. You're kind of just selling, you know, yeah. a job in a way. <laughs> Right. And if you were aware that you didn't have that much sales background, did you ever feel as if while you were applying and after you got it, let's just say the first three months that this wasn't for you or that you shouldn't be there? You know, the funny thing is, I actually never I never really felt that in the very beginning. Um, I, you know, took to it. I understood it. Um, I followed through. I kind of just you know, I really kind of did the things that I was just told to do of like, okay, this is how it goes. This is the process. I trusted the process really. Um, like I said, I had a really strong mentor, um, which I was very fortunate about, but I also got my start with a, with a company that's worldwide known. They have a, a, you know, they have a very, um, a very uh, long, a very established process, I should say, in terms of what, how to go about it. So I, I actually never recall like thinking like, oh, you know, it's funny, like in the beginning, I don't think I ever really recall saying, oh, wow, I can't do this, or this is going to be really hard. I mean, it definitely was hard. It was hard to like put, you know, 
because I'm a natural, I mean, I'm an introvert by, by nature. And so sometimes, you know, being put on the spot or having to do like, um, you know, mock sales calls, things like that would definitely put me, um, the introvert would come out because I don't like the spotlight on me per se. But um, yeah, I never really thought about that. It wasn't actually until probably later in my career when you'd hit like road bump, you know, speed bumps and things like that, um, where our, you know, maybe sales weren't going the way it was supposed to go, or you were getting a lot of pressure that, you know, you kind of like, okay, can I still do this? Like, <laughs> do I have that ability? Like, um, you know, where the, that self-doubt in question, I, I think part of it back then was what I was so naive in what I didn't know that I didn't know what to be afraid of. And it didn't necessarily until you know, when you finally are entrenched in it, and then you hit um, maybe that roadblock, or you hit that wall of like, okay, I'm not having success right now, because you know what you know what it feels like. And then but you also know where you're at. And so I think that's when it starts to pull into question of like, okay, that failed or that, you know, like when you have multiple failures, or you're just not seeing success, like maybe you were, you know, even because in recruiting, you're really, it's all about kind of your last placement, you're only as good as your last placement. So you know, you get, you get a very finite point of like, congratulations, you you know, that's amazing. And then it's like, okay, back to work. <laughs> and um, yeah, so the the celebratory, you know, you're not really celebrating that for a long period of time. Got you. So you said something that that really stuck out to me. One that you're, of course, you're, you're a recruiter, but also we think about now, you know, you're a life coach as well. But you said that you are an introvert, right? Just kind of naturally. How does that work for anybody that is maybe interested in being a recruiter or that's interested in being life coach? You have to, you know, of course work with people one-on-one, but maybe you're, it takes a while for you to get out of that show. Yeah. So it's an interesting, the fact that I chose a, prof- I ended up in a profession that really required me to interact with people on a daily basis. And, um, and again, I think being the introvert, um, I was a painfully shy kid. I mean, I really was painfully shy. So, um, you know, she still shows up every now and then, like, um, definitely, I don't like networking (laughs) events, I definitely don't like awkward networking events, I should say. Um, And so, you know, things like that. But one of the things that um, I, I think by the end of my career, one of the things that I was really good at is just really being myself, and not trying to be somebody else. So again, my listening skills, there would be times I'd be on my head, you know, my headset and people would be like, is she on the phone? And I'd just be listening to the candidate or the client or whoever I was talking to taking in the information. Um, And that's really understand, you know, and that's a lot of what I do now is just like, okay, get the other person talking, um, pick out the pieces that, you know, they maybe aren't recognizing or the, you know, know your questions, things of that nature. So a lot of those skills I use today as a coach, Um, but even then it was like, um, I I think once I really got into like, okay, being comfortable and being myself, then that's what worked for me. And so it wasn't like I had to, you know, 
and there were tough times. Like, I mean, there were definitely clients that intimidated me or just were really tough. And I'd kind of have to give, you know, my little pep talk to myself before I'd pick up the phone to call them or have a conversation or maybe it's a difficult conversation, you know, so you have to kind of think about that from that standpoint. But um, yeah, I think by the end of my career, it's just, I was definitely in my own, you know, element. Like I didn't try to be somebody else, even though I still never fit the mold of what was technically expected of a successful, what a successful recruiter looked like in my, in my last company. Why did some of those people that you had to call uh, intimidate you before you even go on the phone with them? Very strong personalities. And sometimes I, you know, Mm. where they kind of dominate the conversation and, or try Mm. to take over the conversation and, um, you know, and it just being, you know, having to kind of stand your own, like, especially if you're negotiating, you know, um, rates or, you know, salary or things of that nature where you could easily, you know, it's almost like they're the bulldozer and that's just their personality of like, okay, I'm going to come up, I'm just, you know, I'm going to control and dominate the conversation and not give you, you know, a word in. And so um, I think that's one of the big things like now I'm, I can recognize kind of those individuals and, you know, and sometimes I just had a client that, kind of has that had that personality and you know in the beginning it was like whoa (laughs) like okay um but you know then it was like okay you know you've got to be in control of the conversation you have to be strong you know you can't I always find that those individuals sometimes um you know really that's how they win things over. It's not by winning people over. It's just by bulldozing over people, um, you know, because they only have their one thought, their one opinion. They're not really open to others. So, you know, you have to kind of, you have to really show up in that same manner. And so that does go against my, um, you know, technically it goes against my personality, but I can do it when I need it. (laughs) So. So what it sounds like is over time, let's just say dealing with a specific type of uh, uh, people that you were interested in recruiting, that Jules had to also build the confidence. Like you were saying, when we were listening to your bio earlier, it took rebuilding, it took uh, manifestation, but also took confidence to be able to build your business where it is now. How are you able and how are you still now continuously building up your confidence? We're going to get back to the show in just a second. But in the middle of your journey to create, innovate, and lead, you probably found yourself facing challenges of creative blocks or stuck in the cycle of overthinking. Here's the thing. You aren't the only one experiencing this. So why should you go through this journey alone? What if there was a community of like-minded individuals all striving towards success, ready to support, motivate, and hold you accountable? Well, I have the solution for you. A place where ambition meets action, where your dreams get a roadmap and where every single stride gets celebrated. We're more than just an online community. We're a collective of creators, freelancers, and entrepreneurs who believe in the power of togetherness to overcome obstacles and achieve greatness. Joining this online private community means that you're not just setting your goals, but also taking decisive steps towards them with a community ready to cheer you on with every step of the way. It's about consistent progress, shared learning, and the taste of achievement. 
If you're ready to elevate your journey, to transform your ambitions into achievements, and be part of a collective that believes, then achieves, visit verifyphenom.com to take action today. That's verifyphenom.com. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's an everyday thing. I mean, you know, I hit a big, um, kind of a big, Not, I don't want to say it was a huge setback, but it was definitely a setback um, this past July um, business. I have an annual trip to Honduras. I came back. It was only you know, gone for 10 days. And business all of a sudden just like dried up. It was almost like, where did my business go? Um, no clients were signing up. Um, wasn't even getting um, uh, what I call a discovery call, initial call. And so it was really like, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, um, you know, and my business is, you know, is always steadily grown. So it, this was, and this is the first time. And I was really coming off of the, probably the last four or five months of like just constantly busy um, you know, or just a lot of clients. So it wasn't necessarily an issue. Um, and then it was still like, okay, okay, I'm going to rebound and I'm going to, I'm going to tell myself I'm going to rebound in August. And August kind of came and went and it was like, okay, didn't rebound as much as I needed to. Um, you know, so I really got, it definitely got into my head, but it was funny because if I looked at the, if I looked at my numbers, I was actually still outperforming the previous year. It just, I wasn't, you know, it definitely wasn't, it definitely didn't feel like that. Um, and, you know, it, it definitely, I mean, there was points I was literally like, well, maybe I should just go back to recruiting. Maybe I should, you know, like I'm going to have to go get a full-time job or I'm going to have to, um, you know, working for myself. Maybe that's, you know, we've come to the end of the road on that, you know, where, you know, as, as an entrepreneur, I, you know, I definitely think that, you know, and that is definitely something, you know, I uh, being, I want to, I don't, I'm more of an optimist now than, um, but growing up, I was definitely a pessimistic kid. You know, I will, and I don't even know if, I don't want to say that I was, well, I was pessimistic, I suppose, but a lot of that is also my anxiety. So my anxiety takes me to zero to a thousand really quickly of like worst case scenario. <laughs> And so now instead of trying to set in that moment of where like, okay, what is worst case? Okay, what do we got to do? Like, and then continuing to look at like, oh, but look at your financial numbers. You're ahead of last year, like looking at looking for evidence um, of what that actually of proof, basically of like, oh, you can do this. You know, you started this business really on nothing. I didn't have a dime to my name, honestly, when I started coaching. Um, I didn't coach because I had this like innate desire to be an entrepreneur. I've never even talked about that. So, I mean, I never said that to anybody. Um, I started it because I needed cash. <laughs> um and it was something, you know, um, it was something I could do. I took a, I took this course, um, some, a friend of mine at the time had offered this course. I took a coaching course. I didn't, ex- like, I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. Um, so I was like, okay, I could do resumes. I could earn some extra cash. So again, going back to, going back to the question of like, you, you just go back to like the proof of like what has been done. You know, what have you already done? And sometimes even if you haven't, um, if you haven't done it, then um, I think it's one of the things of like looking for proof in the world of like who else has done this. 
you know, who else has been successful? Because I always say to my clients, like, sometimes they'll be like, you know, I don't even know if I'm going to get an interview. I don't, you know, like I'm pivoting careers. This is, you know, and it's like, okay, well, if you've done it once, that means you can, you're going to do it again. And, um, and then being able to go through, you know, that process. Hmm. One thing, excuse me, one thing that you brought up that I believe a lot of people are dealing with now is anxiety, especially when it comes to performance anxiety. How do you calm that anxiety down so you're still able to perform well and get everything accomplished? I mean, my anxiety still definitely shows up and I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm fully, I mean, I'll fully, I'm transparent that, you know, I take medication for my anxiety. Um, My anxiety is such that if I didn't take medication for it, it like I'm a nor that's something I, we didn't talk about anxiety as a kid. You know, I grew up in the eight, you know, eighties and um, uh, you know, the late seventies, eighties, things of that nature. Um, and then, um, you know, we didn't have a conversation of anxiety, but I look back on my childhood and I can definitely see where anxiety showed up. I can definitely see where I allowed that to kind of control my, my behavior, my, my personality, not doing certain things, you know? So now, um, it still shows up. I don't always, you know, there's sometimes it does kind of get the best of me, um, But now I definitely have worked on having it somewhat, I don't ever want to say it's, well, I guess it is under control to some degree, because I can, you know, I function fairly high. Um, But I think it's one of the things of just kind of talking yourself through also recognizing what is causing that Um, stress tends to trigger my anxiety. um, And just, you know, uh, again, my anxiety takes me to like, the worst case scenario of like, you know, like, um, you know, like, um, the cat for my example has a spot on his back. So I'm like, Oh my God, it, it may be cancer. Um, you know, I'm not a vet. He hasn't been yeah. checked out. It, you know, and other people are like, I'm sure it's nothing, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, you know, so it, it's just really like being able to keep, um, also keeping just a routine. Um, so like for me, working out helps me, um, helps me with my, you know, making sure that I feel good, helping, you know, getting good sleep, things like that are, you know, just keeping those things under kind of control helps me keep my anxiety under control. Um, but also acknowledging it. I think once I started to acknowledge it and I didn't have the shame of like, you know, because there's a lot of people that have opinions about it. And some people would be like, oh, well, you know, you know, you can do all these things and not have to take medication. And I'm, you know, fully understand that, but not everybody's wired the same way. So for me, the medication right. keeps it under, helps me stay under control. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't take it away, um, you know, but it also just helps me but it helps me. And so that's, you know, it's like, no, that's my decision. And that's what works for me. It may not work for everybody, but you have to find what works for you and you have to find a routine that works for you. Mm. I'm glad that you brought up that 
what works for you may not work for everybody because that's so true. In the theme of overthinking, I am a believer that overthinking can sometimes lead to anxiety. Yep. <laughs> because like you were just saying, you know, you will think about one thing in terms, let's just say your cat, and you go to the worst case scenario. Now you're thinking, oh man, now I have to go ahead and take my cat to the hospital. I maybe have to pay for all these lab tests. How much is it, how much is this gonna cost? Uh, maybe we just connect this, which we were saying, like the discovery calls aren't coming through. I'm got to go back. Now I got to go back to being a recruiter right. <laughs> because my cat has a black spot. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and even though somebody may be like, that's extreme, but that could be the, that's the thought process of a lot of people. And it's just like a rabbit hole. Oh, it is. That I mean, you can go down. And people don't understand that. It's like, no, I can go down a rabbit hole in a quick second. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take much. I mean, you know, for me to, for me to go, go there. And, um, you know, and I think it still shows up, you know, in pro like personal relationships, dating, for example, I'm, my anxiety does not do well with dating. Um, uh, <laughs> it does not, it does not mesh with dating very well. Um, so, you know, there's this things of like, okay, that that's an area that I have to work on. I have to work on that for myself. Um, so that it, you know, I do have a little bit more control over it and I have a control over my thoughts. And, um, and again, it's not, I don't want to act like, Oh, you know, Oh, just have positive thoughts and everything's going to be, you know, but there is something yeah. about the thoughts that we do put into our mind, the words that we say about ourselves, um, whether you consciously or unconsciously realize it those do manifest into the reality of how we view ourselves how we respond to people how we act you know so um so it is being you know it is being conscious of that you know again it's not i'm very realistic about like what the world is and where we're at in this world and you know like where the job market is and people are struggling and you know and i get all of that and i've been there myself but you know, at the end of the day, it's also, um, it's also a matter of choice of what I choose to take into, you know, allow into my world, basically. For somebody that's listening to this right now, they're just like, man, I find myself going down these rabbit holes. And I may be letting some stuff filter into my world subconsciously what advice would you get to them what conscious steps can they take right now that way let's just say a week 10 weeks or a year from now their subconscious thoughts and their their world that's around them is starting to improve day by day week by week yeah i mean i think first off it starts with gratitude um, that's a big piece of it. And, um, finding the things that you can be grateful for, whether it is, um, you know, like my morning coffee, some of, you know, if the day is really bad, it may be the morning coffee. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like it may, that may be all I've got to be happy about today. Um, you know, but also just being grateful of like finding everything to be, you know, spending some moments in gratitude. I do try to spend um, the morning usually or some point in the day 
listing out at least 10 things. Some days it's the same list. I mean, there, you know, it doesn't necessarily change. Other days, some things also may happen. Um, but also speaking it into existence of like, I am grateful for the job that I am going to, you know, I'm grateful for the job offer that is coming my way. You may not have that job offer, but just, you know, acting as if it has already happened um, is also a really great way to start to. And it's a small thing you can do on your own. I think also, you know, for me, I, I've done therapy on and off. So I think having somebody to speak with is also a great, you know, is a great avenue, but making sure it's the right person. Um, you know, as a coach, I'm not a therapist, but um, even as having a coach, I think is also really, you know, is also good because sometimes the people in our lives, they mean well. And of course, they, you know, I always hope that they want to love and support us, but they're also attached to the outcomes a lot of times that we're looking for. So their stress or their, their help, so to speak, isn't really helpful. So we got to kind of have, sometimes I think it's good to have like that third party um, perspective that, you know, yes, as a coach, I am attached to the outcomes. I mean, I want my clients to be successful, but I'm also realistic to know that it's not all on me. So I can't, you know, if they're not successful, it's not necessarily a direction, a reflection, I should say, of like, of me as a coach, you know, because there could be other factors that went into it. But um, so getting somebody to speak to a therapist, even um, I, you know, I definitely think has been, you know, has been helpful as I, you know, in my life, as I, you know, experience different, um, you know, trials and tribulations. And, um, and then also, like I said, keeping with a good routine, um, you know, like for me, working out is definitely something that helps, you know, keep me in a positive mindset, um, helps me remain positive, um, you know, getting a good night's sleep, things along those lines are definitely, um, you know, so sometimes it's not these big drastic efforts or, you know, massive efforts of like, oh, we've got to totally change everything we do, but it's, it's small little things that can change, um, you know, from that perspective. I have two last questions for you. Cool. Was well, really cool. <laughs> wrapping up here today. Because, uh, like I said, I told you before we got started, I always like to respect people's time. The first question is I always love to ask everyone this question is, what was success to you, let's just say 10 years ago, because that would have been in the middle of your recruiting career? And what is success to you now? Yeah. So success to me back then, um, definitely was all about the business. It was being the best in my business. It was being the best, um, you know, um, I don't know if I was a managing director at that point, but, um, you know, being the best, being at the top of my game, um, truly was a, a huge aspect of that. So my daughter would have been 11, my son would have been 18. So, um, so yeah, and also I think being able to um yeah, I think that to me that was like it was more about it was more about the business. Um now of course, you know, I would say that um 
of course it's being having a successful business, um, but also being able to have, you know, success is also a little bit about having some freedom um, to have, you know, where I don't necessarily have to, you know, I have freedom over my schedule. I have freedom over my, um, you know, I can go schedule a workout at, you know, 9am if I want to, or, you know, I, I can control my calendar where I was, I didn't really, my calendar, my life was really kind of controlled by everything else. So, and, um, you know, my daughter had a very busy schedule as a, as a kid and with, um, you know, with plays, acting, um, sports, dancing. <laughs> so, um, there was a lot more, um, on the go now, you know, I will say her, her, her world, it definitely paid off. So I'm happy to have done, you know, been a part of that and, you know, lending to her success today. Um, but yeah, I think it's, you know, it's also just being, having a little bit more of that freedom. Um, it's not necessarily maybe how I imagined. I don't know if I ever really think too far out in terms of like, oh, where are you going to be 10 years from now? Like, I don't really like those questions. I'm like, you know, there's just been a lot of things that have happened in my life that, you know, I've lost my parents. I mean, I have, I've lost my parents. And so, um, you know, so I don't really think about like 10 years, you know, I'm like, we don't know what's going to happen in this world tomorrow Tomorrow. so like i mean you know i don't want to think about five i mean five years i mean i don't like that question i've always (laughs) it's just like i don't know what's going to happen tomorrow (laughs) right exactly five years from now i don't know where i want to be five years from today um you know i I mean i have a kind of an idea of what me but i can't say that any time that that's ever looked the way it's whatever i you know back Back when you that I think that question would always get asked, I can definitely say any vision of what I had down the road is not necessarily become that, you know, it's never, you know, so I'm just kind of I just leave that question. I'm like, "Hmm, I don't know. (laughs) So but I'm, you know, right now, it's like also just being content. And I know people don't like that word. But there is something about being content, um, being, you know, just happy. Like, it's like, okay, you know, I've got a good life and you know, it maybe isn't, Yeah, there's definitely things that can be improved and definitely things that I want, but you know, for the overall, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. If you're happy, why does it matter to anybody else? Exactly. So, (laughs) (laughs) so the last thing I want to ask you is simply how can people find you on social media and how can they support you? Yeah. So you can of course connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, you can also check out my website at findsucceedachieve.com. Um, you can always send me a message there as well. And, um, you know, and then just check out, you know, uh, check out the things that I'm producing. I do a lot of, um, I do create a lot of content on LinkedIn. Um, you know, so, just come and check that information out. You can, I do um, some LinkedIn audio rooms as well, um, social audio rooms. So, you know, that's the best way that anybody can support is just, um, you know, come and check that information out and see what might be of an interest to you. And, you know, also with the goal that it might help you as well. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, Melanie, thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to be with us here today. Uh, so many gems dropped, y'all. If you found any value, uh, or not even if you found any, I know you found <laughs> value in what she gave us today. So 
If you know three people that will also find value in today's episode, by all means, just go ahead and send it out to them. Uh, because that's how we're able to change other people's worlds one day at a time, one conversation at a time. And other than that, y'all, this is Phenom, and I will catch y'all in the very next episode. See ya. Hey. And we're out. Perfect.